Blog Talk Radio. Broadcasting from Atlanta, Georgia, home of the world's greatest artist, TLC, Gladys Knight, India Ari, Indigo Girls, and Hartsfield Atlanta Jackson Airport, the Falcons, and Clark Atlanta University. This is The Bright Side with Technicia, a daily show with real people with real experiences. And now, here's your host, Technicia. Good afternoon, everyone. This is Technicia Day, and I'm your host of the Bright Side with Technicia, and I hope everyone is having a wonderful, wonderful day. We have a lot to get started on, but first and foremost, happy birthday to Michael Jackson. Today is his birthday. Also, if you're willing to contribute to help the evacuees in Texas, I would definitely make sure I give you out that information because there are other ways. Um, I wouldn't even suggest FEMA at all because, of course, with Hurricane Katrina, we know how that went. So there is other valuable information that I will be giving out that my friend posted on Instagram for me. But today with me getting started is a wonderful author that I had the enjoyment of just contacting and getting in touch with him because this is all about wisdom and just putting it to work, cultivating a kind mind, which is the name of his book. Putting wisdom to work, cultivating, <clears throat> excuse me, cultivating a kind mind. Now, John, Jeff Hoshkis has also put in wisdom to work, practical mindfulness for maximum living. He is a wisdom warrior, possibility advocate, and rebel with the call to promote mindfulness as a path of wellness throughout all stages of life. His insightful dialogue offers tips on becoming more awake, aware, grateful, present, and accepting. His approach includes easy-to-understand techniques and activities to help anyone reduce stress, become more effective, and enjoy life more. Jeff, so glad to have you on. How are you today? Good morning, Technicia. Doing great, thank you. How about yourself? Doing wonderful. It sounds strange to hear that. Good morning on your time, good afternoon on mine. But that's how it is (laughs) when you're on different sides of the world. Yes, ma'am. Um, I have, Jeff, I did have the pleasure of reading your book, and I find it interesting because uh, one of your topics, I was going to actually start off with looking in the mirror, but when I read on your topic, who you are, so help me, we talked about that today on my affirmations call. My mentor spoke of that, and it was, um, this was on eight things successful people all have in common. Of course, he covered four, and one of them was to know who you are. The quote was, Peter Ducker said, ignore your weaknesses and build your strengths. Focus your ability to to live in your gift. Know your own personality. And I said, wow, that's amazing how he didn't even know of this. We didn't even know this topic was going to come up, but it's coinciding with what you're talking about in your book. So first and foremost, Jeff, I would like to ask, what started you off with wanting to write the book? Well, it was just in me, Technicia. The book had been percolating for many years, and I found myself in a situation where uh, I was hoping to retire at a certain point and just was very antsy and and unsettled. So I decided to dive into writing that book that had just been simmering away for a long time, and and it took took a while. It was a lot harder than I thought it was going to be, but I'm really happy with the way it came out. So one of the questions up on that sub-chapter is, 
who are you? And you, we asked the question, why are we so hard on ourselves? Which is a question I want to ask anyhow. Why are most people hard on themselves? Is it a subconscious thing that we do? Boy, if I had the absolute answer to that, I think I'd be a be a, a, a millionaire guru, but I've quite a bit. And it just seems like we have these really big evolved brains, and they have led us to do some amazing things. Society has really grown and is uh, exploding at the seams, I guess you could say. Um, but the problem with these big brains is they are designed, engineered, shall we say, to look for problems. So even when, there's, even when things are going well, often our brains will look for some problem to solve. They're really great at solving problems, but it's, 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 it's a learned response to be able to turn that off and to be able to relax and enjoy life a little bit. So I don't know exactly why, Tanisha, but we, we are always going to be striving, and a lot of my work is about helping us learn how to slow down and savor life a little bit. Well, you know what? I think it's sometimes it's hard for us to save our life because we're automatically built to just work, especially as Americans. We're automatically set up like that. And I think it just comes from traditions, generations we just know of to work. We don't know how to relax or enjoy life as what it should be. So I think that has a lot to do with it too. It's uh, real funny. I've been reading a lot about how people are not taking vacations anymore. It just blows no. my mind. It's more of an American phenomena. I think 70 or 80% of people don't even take half of their vacation each year compared to a more European model where people, it seems, have, I don't know, learned how to relax a little bit more or something. I don't really understand it, honestly. Well, um, as as far as my experience and being around others, I think, um, the most reason, of course, and I have been through this, um, if you don't mind me being a little transparent on it, I have been in the boat and still kind of going through it where it's hard to actually take vacation because you don't have enough money. People tell you to budget, but then you budget and then it goes away because you might end up putting it on the bill. And, of course, you're always supposed to put yourself first, but then it's like, okay, how can I put myself first? or either my lights are going to be off or I'm going to be outside sleeping if I put myself first because, of course, I want to look nice. I want to look good. I want my children to look nice and presentable. But but I got this bill on the side, so it's kind of it's kind of confusing. And I guess we have to know how to put all of it and organize it, but it's so hard, Jeff, and I'm hoping for your book to help us with that situation um, so we can really get ourselves together on this. That sounds good. Yeah, you know, my book really starts at the very beginning with the idea of mindfulness. And, you know, since our entire life experience is processed in the mind, mindfulness is the ability to draw on the wisdom and lessons learned to raise and enhance our life experience to make it better, richer, more enjoyable, more peace of mind, good relationships, success, and like you say, the ability to slow down, savor, appreciate, be grateful, and live life Happily, really. It's just a very simple process, and there's a lot of really practical techniques. You know, this mindfulness is a skill that can be developed and employed. It's not magic, and it doesn't. it's not reserved for gurus. It's like anything else. If you want to learn how to knit or, or do carpentry or speak a language, you're going to have to put a little effort in, and studying mindfulness is the, is the path to a peaceful mind. 
So yeah, there's a lot of great material there that's gonna mm-hmm. gonna help people. Absolutely. Right. right, and of course, um, as you said, life goes by so damn fast. Either you enjoy it, it's gonna be gone in the blink of eye. And I don't wanna, I wanna live right now. I don't wanna be dead. And some people all walk around dead. I don't wanna be dead. I wanna live. But of course, mm-hmm. as I said, today is Michael Jackson's birthday, and of course, we all know his famous music of all times and one of my favorite songs is a man in the mirror of course it yeah. correlates to your book we need to take a look in the mirror let's talk a little bit about that jeff where are we going with this a look in the mirror are we looking at ourselves or are we taking a back to look at someone else yeah well everything starts by looking at yourself and being and being real with yourself there's a there's a whole section in there on the reality zone and uh, it's just it's looking in the mirror, boy. That's just about being able to wake up to reality and live with what I call radical acceptance. Um, you know, it's just, it's a practice. It's it's there's a lot of different ways to go about doing it, but reading good books, um, talking to smart people, going to seminars, doing some meditation. There's lots of ways to look in the mirror, and. Get comfortable with the reality of the way things are because they say, I think it's the Buddha or somebody said, all suffering comes from three thirty thirty thought patterns of attraction, aversion, and delusion. You know, attraction is wanting things that you don't have. Aversion is not wanting the things that you do have. And delusion is not seeing things in reality. So looking in the mirror is about being able to see things as reality, have that radical acceptance, and then get busy moving forward, making the life that you feel you can make realistically. Right. And that just brings me upon the part of you got to find a way to actually, since you mentioned realistically, you got to find a way to distinguish between unrealistic and realistic. Like, for Mm -hmm. instance, we we know realistically, okay, I want to lose 10 pounds. Okay. But unrealistically, I'm going to... I'm going to jog every single day or I'm just going to, I'm just going to throw all cookies away. Well, let me put it like this. Basically, you might say, Hey, I don't want to do any more sugar. So I'm not going to do it. But once you do that cookie, I'm realistically, you're like, okay, I, I messed up. Now I can't continue. I got to start all over. So that's kind of unrealistic thought. So we do have to distinguish between those parts. Um, but Jeff, I guess I want to so more talk about, the mindfulness, because this is what your book is all about. What is mindfulness and how to get more of it, basically? Sure, sure. Uh, like we're just talking about, it's, 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 it's like anything. It's just something that we can get better at. We're not really trained to look within in our society that much. We're trained to work and make things happen and, you know, good things come to those who, who work hard kind of a thing. Looking within on our mindfulness is actually just more of a surrender to the, the process that our minds go through. A lot of benefits, though, you know, you can stay positive naturally. You can shape beliefs that bend reality. You can avoid regrets. Tanisha, that's probably one of the biggest themes in the book, too, is Figuring your own brain out, figuring your own mind out so you can avoid regret. Um, using acceptance to let go of resistance. 
and mapping a, a path to fulfillment, like we talked about being realistic, there are there's always a way forward. There's always a way. Sometimes we feel really stuck. Mindfulness helps us step back, kind of get out of the middle, get out of the chaos, step out of the confusion, take a deep breath, and say, okay, what are the steps forward? You give everything you see all of its meaning, and mindfulness creates the expectations and defines that path forward and helps you stop and, you know, smell the roses. Right. I'm telling you, Jeff, I, I just love what you're giving here because I promise you um, most of these things we do, we go over the affirmation. That's one of that's one of the secrets that actually helps you build great habits, taking those small steps. Because you can always see the big dreams when you take those small steps. Um, you know, I, I think one of the questions that we all have to ask ourselves is, what is our why? What is our why? And three areas to really focus on there is the money, the social connection, and health. So we, we got to ask our why down here. So getting to the wisdom part, why and I guess how does one put wisdom to work? Well, I've had I, – that was, that was the goal of the book. And so what mm-hmm. I've done is I've broken it down. Like I love where you're at with that. You know, it's money, social connection, and health. You know, money – I call it resources because money's money's one of the many resources, but it's, it's an important one for sure. Social connection, health. Boy, if you get those three pieces in place, everything kind of takes care of itself. So the way I've, I've broken it down is what I call the pillars. There's five pillars of life. And it's a really, really simple system. There's health, relationships, resources, responsibility, and creativity, which I call fun. And the premise is, if you take care of those five pillars, if you give them some of your attention, if you put some energy into those things, everything will take care of itself. You will find peace of mind, and you will find yourself moving forward in life. The problem is that we often compensate for our weaknesses with things that we're good at. We may be a very social person and have lots of friends, but we don't take care of our resources. We don't do the work. We don't save the money. We don't make the investments. We may have a really highly developed creative side, but we, we're not sure how to be responsible with that. We maybe don't, don't behave responsibly all the time. So the five pillars are about satisfying the need, satisfying needs across those five pillars. And the way I go about doing that in the book is we talk about personal policies. And these are just little mental modules, I guess you would say. They're they're ways of thinking that you can plug in to the pillars. If you find yourself with a weak pillar somewhere, you can find a personal policy that's going to help you shore that up. So it's kind of a systematic approach. There's lots of ideas in there, and then there's lots of activities that you can go about doing and one of the activities is the personal policy report card mm-hmm. where you just take a quick little take a quick little survey and it's going to show you where you're strong and where there may be some room for improvement and that's the premise right there if you attack life by satisfying needs across the pillars everything else will pretty much take care of itself okay now I do understand I'm understand. I am understanding a little bit of this. You even mentioned in your book, anxiety. Anxiety is this to keep us motivated out of dangerous situations. And I read that little line. I wrote it down for myself. 
I quite didn't understand anxiety because I thought that was like an attack. I thought that was something dangerous to. Um, I didn't quite understand the question. I'm sorry. Oh, no, Jeff. I was reading. I I wrote down a line that came out of your book about anxiety uh-huh. as this. Anxiety is this to keep us motivated and out of dangerous situations. I was I was mm-hmm. kind of pondering on that because I thought it was um, to put us in dangerous situations when you have anxiety attacks or something of that sort. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. I um I want to just pull up a, a section here. I just pulled it up on my computer screen. You know, one of the things I really discovered going through a lot of this material, and I didn't make much of this stuff up. I mean, I did a ton of research and just interviewed thousands of people. And what I've come to the conclusion of is emotion, anxiety is an emotion. All emotions, they're not conditions that we're stuck with. They're signals that something needs to be changed. So when you're feeling anxiety, you can look at it as, oh, I am burdened with this anxiety and this stress. Or you can say, here's a signal from the universe that's telling me, Something's out of skew. Something's off-center. Something's out of balance. What am I going to do to fix this? So, yes, anxiety is definitely a, a real thing, and it's there to help us. It's there to help us and guide us through the process of becoming self-aware and self-accepting. Exactly my point. And I know a lot of people need to probably hear that. Um, where are you actually currently in your life right now, are you happy with yourself? My Instagram followers right now, because I'm going live, and if you're looking at the replay, definitely, this will be a great show to share. I would definitely make sure I give you the information at the end so you can listen to the archives. But where are you all in your current life? Are you happy where you are? Um, as Jeff said in his book, are we even getting, are we even getting in our own way because one thing about a bad situation, we can always turn lemons into lemonade, and you never want to lose control of the situation. You don't. You want to make sure you have that control, and you want to learn from the bad situation. That's why early in the morning on my affirmation, I always say I am gr- thankful and grateful that I learned from my mistakes. Because that's what we do. We learn from our mistakes, but don't go back and make those same mistakes. And you talk about that in your book, Jeff, The True You actually knowing who we actually are. <laughs> Sometimes I think that's hard, Jeff. That's hard to really figure out who you are. We all know that we are a mom. We know that you could be a father, a brother, a sister, auntie, cousin, or whatever other title you have. But who are you truly? And I have discussed that previously on one of my shows before about who you are. And I think that's sometimes hard to bar down. That, that's like a a month of studying yourself, probably even longer than that, to really get to know who you truly are. And I think once you know who you are, that makes it all the grand. Then you could be able to control whatever you need to control once you know who you are. I don't think sometimes I know who I am. I just know I'm a mom, a a friend, a, a waitress, you know. Yeah, I feel you. Amen, sister. You know, those roles define our identity so much as a worker, as a parent, as a student, as an athlete, whatever. Like I said earlier, I I, I spent a lot of time thinking about regrets because when you do the research around the world and look at different cultures, uh, people have the same regrets. Basically, from all around the world, people worry, you know, as they get older, 
you know, as those roles change, what I'm finding in my own life, and I think others will hopefully relate to this, that, you know, as we're younger, we're kind of told what to do. You're going to go to school. You're going to get the job. You're going to get married. You're going to have the relationship, the family, whatever, the career. All those roles define our identity and keep us plugging along pretty diligently. But mm-hmm. as you get older, as you get older, those roles change. Kids move on, careers kind of run out of steam, situations change. And if you haven't taken the time to get in touch with your your more core being, I guess, what you could call it, then you end up often having regrets. So there's there's five regrets that show up across all different cultures and societies, not chasing dreams, not allowing yourself to feel and express the feelings of others, working too hard and too long into life, not making time to live, not staying in touch and continuing to invest in friendships, and forgetting that happiness is a choice. So I think the first step is when you're in the middle of your life and the early part of your life and you're caught up in those obligations and those roles is to make sure and carve out some time for introspection and spiritual work and work and looking within and find out how those roles fit into the larger you. And it it, it sounds simple. I know it takes work. It takes effort, but it really, really can be done. And it's really worth when you're older, you don't have a lot of time to fix those regrets. And we really, mm-hmm. really want to try and avoid. We really want to try and avoid those. Is what the, what the idea is here is do the do the work now so you can have a, you know, happier retirement and feel good as as life winds down. Well, don't ever feel bad if you make mistakes. I mean, that's how we that's how we actually have to grow. Um, to make the to make the mistakes, we got we have to make them in order to grow. Um, basically, mm-hmm. but Jeff. Yes, ma'am. How can I, um, basically with the listeners here and my Instagram followers, how can they employ mindfulness to create and sustain great relationships like stay present and calm even in stressful situations? Sure. Well, the first thing to remember is happiness is an inside job. This is up to you. Okay. No one else can do it for you. This is, your, this is up to you. And it starts with radical acceptance of reality and the people um, all around you. So how to go about doing it? Well, the first step is to get my book, of course. <laughs> there, there's a, well, there's a lot of great material out there, and I, I really right. I do stand by it. I even, I even put a money-back guarantee on it because I really I, – I, I, it took a lot of effort, and I got a lot of help along the way, and I feel like I know for a fact that there's, there's great value in there for anybody that wants to look at it. But whatever, whatever approach you want to take, find, find some way – to identify needs and move towards filling them. And those needs are going to be just a little bit different for everybody, but they're not what you're going to see on TV. They're not what you're going to see on the internet all the time. You know, identifying the difference between needs and wants is really the core core of the work here. Um, you know, we all need to be connected. We all need to have a, a way to self-express. We all need some way to take care of our resource needs, there's no single approach for every, you know, for everyone, but things like meditation and affirmation, building win lists. Uh, my book has an approach called Ulysses Contracts, which are agreements that you make with yourself that take the idea of goals or resolutions to a whole new level. And as you learn the workings of this amazing thing we call the brain, you have a huge influence over how it feels. You know, we have about 60 to 70,000 thoughts a day. 
And the goal is to start getting more and more of those to be supportive, positive, loving thoughts, loving kindness to yourself and towards others. Uh, We just have a natural tendency to circle around and focus on the negative things. But as you start recognizing those, you you can file them away and put them away. So there's no one way to, to answer that question exactly other than to say, Dig into the work, find find your personal path, and then stay with it and be consistent with it. Right. I think you answered it clearly enough for us to really learn from this. Um, and I hope people are understanding what's possible. Can be possible if you set realistic goals out there. It it can it can go it can go your way in your favor, but it's got to. It's kind of got to be, I guess, something you can manage. You got to make sure you yeah. can control it and you can manage it. If you can't, then don't do it. Don't overwhelm yourself if you know you can't do it. Don't. We call it multitasking. Actually, we're not multitasking. It's just that you think that you are, but we're not multitasking. You're, you, you can't do one thing and do another. So, it's definitely impossible. Well, that's. That That's a huge factor, and it's really, really important to be aware of the fact that if we set these lofty goals, you know, I used to joke, I used to joke about the the fact that it all made sense at midnight. Like I'd be laying in my bed and everything made sense. I could come up with these phenomenal goals. I have this vivid imagination and I could just dream up this beautiful lifestyle, but it's a real problem to, to be unrealistic like that and set these goals because then you have this motivation defeat cycle. You get motivated at midnight, you wake up in the morning, you try and take on the world and change, change, change things too dramatically or too much, and then you feel defeated. And over a little bit of time, you stop even trying. So, you know, we talk a lot about baby steps in the book and just really trying to find those authentic needs. It's not about necessarily fulfilling grand visions of marketing-fueled success but really looking at those needs, those inner needs, those health, the relationships, the resources, our need to be responsible, our need to be connected, and our need to have fun. That's a really, it's a really important one. I heard this over and over again from interviewees. People said they took care of what they needed, they thought they needed to take care of, but at the end of the day, they didn't leave enough time to actually have fun and go out and play with their friends. And people should be playing at any and every age. So a lot of the stuff that we're talking about is really easy and it's really fun. It's just not we're not taught how to do that in school. So hopefully my book is one of those missing. Is, I like to think of my book as one of the missing classes from school. We weren't taught how to do it, but it's easy to learn for anybody that wants to try. Right. This is actually adopting a lifestyle. Said is demanding for that thirst of knowledge and your love of learning. You're getting the chance to actually live an honest life but we don't know how to do that we were like i said in the beginning we were programmed but this book is showing you about how life can actually work for you if you just take the time out to just stop and breathe (laughs) and relax a little bit that is something new that i think all of us will actually have to to do but what we're going to do we're going to take a short commercial break because we have so much more to discuss with jeff and then we'll get down to the nitty-gritty of Jeff discussing where you can get the book from, and we'll tell you where you can help out the evacuees, the evacuees for Texas at 
So stay tuned. Please do not touch that dial. We'll be right back after this. Thought it was over? Not yet. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. You're listening to Blog Talk Radio, baby. There are many sounds in your day-to-day life. There are sounds that wake you up. Sounds that make you smile. Sounds that energize you. And sounds that help you relax. But there are some sounds that can alert you to danger and can help save lives. Wireless emergency alerts, now on many mobile devices, use a unique sound and vibration to bring you information about severe weather events, amber alerts, or other emergencies in your area. With critical information from local sources you know and trust, you can be in the know, wherever you are. For more information, visit ready.gov alerts. Brought to you by FEMA and the Ad Council. All right, we're back with our guest, Jeff Hoshkiss, whose book is titled Putting Wisdom to Work, Cultivating a Kind Mind. This is where we're going to explore how to build a wisdom muscle as a practical strategy for enjoying life, adjusting attitude, and community building. And if you're listening to the replay, we want you to know where you can see how to stop doing the things that don't serve you and do more of the things that do. And we're talking about reality zone, rigging the game, seeing emotions that signal, 10 characteristics characteristics of wise living, and more. Jeff, I would love to know that. What are the 10 characteristics of wise living? Well, you you caught me here. I don't have that that page open in front of me, but it's going (laughs) to, you know, it's funny. I wrote this stuff down, and um, I still need to review it and, and practice it. It's it's not something that you just get necessarily, and it's, whether it's my book or another tape or a seminar that you go to. But um, you know, I've got that right here. Let me just pull that up. So I want to. That's a great question. Hold on one second. Yeah. Well. There's actually 11. <laughs> Let's go through them here real quick because this is it's, – it's funny. We talk about, you know, can, can someone make themselves wise? Can someone, you know, rig this up? And the answer is absolutely yes. You just simply have to act this way. So the 10 characteristics of wise people and then the 11th is a bonus, I guess. Um, they're realistic about how unique people are and how hard life can be. Um, number two – They hold a positive attitude and expectations about life and aging. Number three, ability to see the core of issues, but don't try and convert or influence others. That's a big one. Number four, self-acceptance, knowingness, the nature of quirks, what works and what doesn't. Number five, sincere and direct and generous with understanding the pressures on others. And that's what's part of taking, you know, our our, our self-focus out of it stepping back and looking at others. Number six, looking for commonalities instead of differences. Actions consistent with the values and ethical beliefs. Eight, not complainers. Accept situations, people, luck, all of that without judgment. Number nine, appreciate all things. Be grateful and savor even the little things. 
10, steady, calm, resilient, quick to laugh, slow to anger. And then the 11th one is something called savoir-faire, which is a French word for knowledge of what to do and self-knowledge. And I came up with this list by just studying tons of different books and looking at people that I know and just making making lists and lists and lists and trying to find the commonalities. And it, I think it's a solid list. If you act with these behaviors, if you keep these ideas in mind, you're going to look wise to other people. And over time, you're going to feel wise and have confidence in, in the way your brain works, be able to trust yourself. Right. Um, now, Jeff, how, um, please tell us, let's, let's talk a little bit more about the personal policies. How can they be used to like really connect with others? To really connect with others. Well, one of the five pillars is relationships. Absolutely. Okay. So, you know, one of the one of the things that you find I find when I ask people what is what is the meaning of life? You know, you ask people what's what's what really gives you satisfaction and happiness in life. It always comes back to the interactions with other people. You know, all the stuff that we buy and stick in our closet. It gives you a little emotional high for a short time and then fades away. And marketers have really learned how to harness that to get us to keep buying things. But relationships are really where it's at, Tanisha. It's, it's, it's huge. So how do you go about doing it? Well, you find some personal policies that are going to help you develop that. Um, like I say, everybody's list is going to be a little bit different, but it may involve finding some sort of uh, activity or group that you're going to find uh, like-minded people are going to gather I find for me, a lot of times it just it involves picking up the phone and, and reaching out. You know, we want to be reached out to, but we have to reach out and, and, and connect with people. I started a meetup group about a year ago called the Spice Social Club, and that was an effort to build my social network here on the West Coast where I'm, I've been living for a few years. And that has really paid off. So, you know, the golden, rule, the golden rule is a great place to start there. Treat other people the way you want to be treated yourself. And then reach out and find ways to connect with, with people over shared interests because that's what it really boils down to. You know, even in romantic relationships, I think that you have to have shared interests. You can have that spark of romance, but if you don't have things that you enjoy doing together, um, it, it's going to become challenging over time. So great relationships, I think, start with building on a shared interest and and then blossom by investing time and energy and enjoying each other. Yeah, 100% all the way. Because if you don't have, if you don't have those interests, it's just going to go south. It's not going to work. It's definitely not. It's just the difference between love and lust. If you lusting for a person, it's not going to work. You're not going to have the same emotions as if you are in love with that person. So everything you're saying, it does make sense. These are thoughts that, because I feel like this, the universe, of course, we all know about the law of attraction. And mm-hmm. anything that we think of positive attracts positivity. If you think negative, it attracts negative. So whatever you think or whatever you say out loud and think it, it's going to only attract that. So don't be surprised and complain. Well, if you say you broke, then that's exactly what you're going to be. You're going to be broke. 
you can't speak it into the universe and don't think it won't retract. It's gonna it's gonna retract back around. Definitely so true. Um Well, I, I, I hear you loud and clear and I and I just gotta be like you talked about being transparent. I'm gonna do the same thing and just say I still have trouble with these things. But right. I have definitely found well I, without a shadow of a doubt, I found that as I work on them, it becomes easier. And if I had to say the one thing, if I had to give your audience the one thing that's made the biggest difference for me is establishing a regular meditation practice. And it's a charged word, and people are like, what is meditation? I can't do it, da, da, da. That's not – everybody can do it. It's really, really simple. I break it down in the book, three or four easy steps. But we have all these great ideas in our head. We have tons of great information from my book, other books, from school, from our friends, from our life. And then we have this competing, these ants, these A-N-T, automatic negative thoughts that kind of pull us down the rabbit hole. So what I find is that by having a little bit of regular meditation and just clearing the mind, turning off that mental processor, turning off that problem-solving part of our brain that's always trying to fix things, Simply mm-hmm. turning that off for a little, simply turning that off for just a little while, allows those supportive and loving thoughts to blossom and grow. And then when it's stressful, and then when we're having a hard day, and then when our goals feel like they're impossible, and then we don't feel like we can go another another minute, that supportive energy's there when you need it in those moments that matter. So, tons of ways to go about it, but finding some way to meditate even for just five and ten minutes a day, has made the biggest impact on my personal life. Oh, now, see, that's a that's an interesting factor. See, I would never, never had thought about that. I need to definitely make sure I write that down in my book because I keep a gratitude journal, you know. That, that helps, too. Keeping a gratitude journal, you don't have to write everything down that you're probably grateful for, but something that actually maybe has become a big outcome for you that you're grateful for. You know, it's always good to reflect on those. Um, But you know what I learned, too, Jeff, if this might help, we need to hold on to the past to make the future. Mm-hmm. Need to hold on to the past. And I kind of was like, why should you hold on to the past? Because I thought, you know, you don't want to go down the memory lane You of, of talking about your past. Like, I have I'm trying to get over the habit of even talking about my past accomplishments because I don't want to keep mm-hmm. reliving it in the past. Okay, I won a trophy back then. I don't want to keep reliving that, that I won a trophy. But I guess in a way, not talking about it and being redundant, but just to think, okay, I did this, but now I could do this differently because this is my future. I guess in one way I could think like that, um, if that works. Mm-hmm. Well, our past is a, is a huge opportunity to learn, and the, the, the system that I've worked out in the book here is about, like we talked about, these personal policies. They're promises to yourself. Ninety percent okay. of those are going to be, ninety percent of these are going to be based on the past. We've done something that worked, or we did something that didn't work. And either way, that's that's some wisdom that we can use to kind of make those future decisions. And if you're encountering a situation that you're not real familiar with. Maybe just raise your periscope a little bit and start looking at how other people have dealt with it and, and make up some policies based on what has worked for other people. So the past has a lot of real emotional anchors that we can 
either let them hold us back or we can draw on that energy to push us forward. And, of course, I'm an advocate for keeping moving forward because just as the universe, it may be, you know, people ask what's the meaning of life. Uh, I don't know the answer to that, but it may be as simple as to expand into ourselves. You know, our universe is an expanding universe, and that may be as simply its purpose is to expand into itself. And we're, we're just following that same pattern. Keep it moving. Exactly. Keep it moving. Jeff, what, mm-hmm. what, what activities can our audience use today as far as with personal policy, as far as personal policies, dealing with wisdom and mindfulness? Yeah, well, you touched on gratitude just a minute ago there, Tanisha, and I, I really want to stick with that one a little bit because it seems like a sense of gratitude and a sense of awe, a sense of amazement with the universe just keeps us grounded and centered and happy and moving forward. So I came up with a really simple process that I do every single day. I call it the easy G jar and easy G stands for gratitude. So it's real simple one. Get yourself a glass jar and Mm -hmm. put it somewhere where you can see, yeah, put it somewhere where you can see it in the house on the ledge somewhere. And then, you know, as you're going through your day, Everybody's handing you a little uh, scraps of paper at the grocery store, at the gas station, you know, at the gas pump. It says, do you want a receipt or not? I always press yes. So every day I end up with probably five or six little little slips of paper from a leftover post-it note or whatever. But the easy G-Jar is basically going to be remi- a reminder to grab those slips of paper and, and jot down what you're grateful for right then and there. And if you don't have time right then and there, just shove it in your pocket, and that paper will be living in your pocket reminding you to spot the gratitude and make a note of it, wad it up, throw it in the jar. It is amazing how fast that jar fills up. And you look at it as you walk in, you look at it as you walk out, and it's just a simple reminder that keeps you in that gratitude of attitude state of mind. And it really, really works. It's very simple, but boy, it works. Let me tell you, I love it. Um, I know it does. It does because we're already living in a world that's so chaotic. And I mean, this can—it's baby steps, but it's a step to where you can change your own world. You can change it from the inside out. This is a this is a pursuit of happiness, actually. Yeah, absolutely. And it's funny, when you learn to spot gratitude, it becomes a reflex. You know, we're talking about your life here, all of your lives, ladies and gentlemen. It's up to you. And if you want to put a little bit of effort into training yourself and teaching yourself and giving yourself the tools to be happy, it kind of boils down to a willingness to be happy. No one else is going to do it for you. But as you put a few of these tools into place, the EGG jar, it becomes a reflex. And next thing you know, when you might have defaulted towards some sort of negativity or some sort of complaint, you reframe it automatically on the fly. You're like, wow, I am way too blessed to be stressed. I've got a kind mind. I'm not going to let any of this thinking, thinking weigh me down. And you let it go. You get that radical acceptance and you go forward with a smile on your face. And there's tons of activities in my book that help you do that. And there's some, some free tools on the website at policypillars.com. And then of course the book itself is a, is a great uh, decision to, 
to read that and, and put those put those things into your daily life. So I'm I'm sure it is. This this is one of the books I always tell you with each guest I have to put that book on your shelf, definitely this is one of those books that need to be on your shelf as well. Do you have an introductory offer to help our listeners employ the material in your book? Absolutely. There's um, on my website, policypillars.com, there's a little email thing that you can join the email list. I don't really send too many emails out, but occasionally I might send one or two a year, three or four. But that's going to take you to the toolbox tab, and, and you can get there without putting an email in. There's a toolbox tab right at the top. On that toolbox tab, there's five or six activities that are just free. They're easy. The Journey Journal, the Ulysses Contract, the Gratitude Garden is a simple one-page thing that you can print out and do in 10 minutes. And I guarantee you're going to feel better about your life and have um, a lot a lot more resiliency um, you know, throughout the challenges. So the introductory offer is basically go to the website. There's some free tools there. Um, the book does have a money-back guarantee. You can get it off the website. You can also get it on Amazon.com putting wisdom to work, and I would say just do it. If anybody doesn't have the money, email me, and I will try and send them a, an, a, a, a what I have, a, I call it the policy primer, which is a, a shorter version of it. But it's only $10. I think it's a great investment for anybody. It is. That's a great investment. If you don't have $10, then obviously you're in the wrong business, people. <laughs> we need to talk. Um, one more quick question, though, Jeff, before we leave. Is there any one thing you could recommend our listeners can do today to upgrade thinking and feel better today? Absolutely. Just take a deep breath and, and say to yourself, I am good enough. I am smart enough. I'm a great person. And though I may not be completely in control of my thoughts, I know I deserve to be happy. Just release any stress and negativity and then figure out what it's going to take to keep that feeling going day in and day out. Exactly. I definitely, I definitely agree with that. And I'm hoping to have you once again on the show, Jeff Hoshkis. I appreciate you for being here today. People, please pick up the book by Jeff Hoshkis, Putting Wisdom to Work. Cultivating a kind mind is what we definitely want to do. So make sure you get that on your bookshelf. Um, in efforts for the Hurricane Harvey, of course, I probably wouldn't suggest you to donate to the American Red Cross because we want to know where what actually happened to that money for the Katrina victims. Uh, my friend also put up, you know, there are other there are other sites that you could go to. I think MBUF which is the National Black United Front, Feed the Hood. They're collecting non-perishable goods, water, toiletries, diapers, baby formula, bottles, baby products, new underwear, new socks, back-to-school uniforms, and cleaning supplies for distribution throughout the city of Houston. So if anybody, a donation, that would be great for you to get in contact with them. And I can actually give you the number where you could contact the person the number to volunteer support or coalition bill contact. His name is Malik Muhammad at 832-880-2791. You can email him at 
M-B-U-F Houston at gmail.com. Once again, the number is 832-880-2791. And you can email him at M-B-U-F Houston at gmail.com. Let's get out and donate that um, time. My heart goes out to the ones in Houston, um, Texas, all over. You know, no one expects tragedy to come amongst them. But the thing is, we have to keep striving. So I hope they'll be able to get over this catastrophic event and continue their life daily. And stay prayed up and keep the Lord first, most definitely. Now, well, you know before I leave you, I definitely love to give my quote. And my quote from my friend, Mary Ellen. And you know, it was so funny because I actually interviewed her on my show. And she has the wonderful quotes ever. And her truth for the day is, it is okay to rest. Rest affords the mind time to process. Take some time to slow down or become perfectly still. This gives your body an opportunity to repair and recharge. Release any tension that has built up. When you emerge from this type of quiet rest, you are physically and mentally capable of enjoying life. By completing this quiet rest, you will have shown love and consideration to your body, mind, and soul. Today, take some time for yourself to rest and relax. Enjoy the day. Thank you for listening. I'm Technicia Day, Bright Side with Technicia, and I'll see you the next time. Enjoy your day. a change for once in my life. It's gonna feel real good. Gonna make a difference. Gonna make it right. As I turn up the collarbone, my favorite winter code. This wind is blowing my mind. I see the in the street but not enough
Thanks for listening to The Bright Side with Technicia. If you like what you heard, tell your dad, mother, cousin, uncle, whomever. Be sure to check out the archive section at www.brightsidewithtk.com.